Welcome back to Wind Down with Kev. It's been a minute, but we're back. It's been a busy year. I became a business coach with Craig Wiggins Coaching. I published a book with JM Publishing, and I became a best-selling author. Definitely didn't see that one coming. I've been running around the country, speaking, traveling, and enjoying every minute. But now it's time to get back to podcasting. This is my favorite format for sharing amazing conversations with incredible people. Welcome to season four, Behind the Red Doors. Come on in, check it out. I have incredible guests lined up just for you. Welcome to Wind Down with Kev, season four, episode four. We are at the Palace, 487 New Bridge Road in East Meadow. We are behind the red doors and we are excited about our guest today. This is my friend. I work very closely with her and I look forward to just opening up the conversation and letting you guys get to know Suzanne Nitschberg. Suzanne is the financial specialist in my agency. So we're going to talk about what that is, what that means, and why you want to get to know her. So Suzanne, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Kevin. Thank you so much for, for coming. I'm so happy to have you here. So I gave you the general introduction for people that don't know you or um, know a little bit about your tenure in the business. Tell them a couple of things about yourself. Well, um, this is what I've been doing my entire life. It's really all that I know. I started out uh, working uh, 30 plus years ago uh, on Wall Street. And, uh, and then I transitioned to becoming a certified financial planner. And I help people. I help people um, you know, manage their entire financial life. I love that. Not just, not just products, but manage their entire financial life. Certified financial planner. We're going to get into the definition of that, but I'd be remiss if I didn't allow you to include your wonderful daughter in your introduction and her recent graduation uh, with some new letters behind her name. So yes. let's talk about your daughter. Yes, my daughter who's uh, 27, uh, just got certified as a physician assistant, uh, many years of schooling, and uh, just took a job uh, as a uh, neurosurgery physician assistant at Mount Sinai in Manhattan. Congratulations. So What's her name? Let's shout her em out. Emily Nitzberg. Congratulations, Emily Nitzberg. <laughs> Let's go. Great job, Emily. Great job, <laughs> Emily. So you, you opened up, um, you, you started today this morning. We had a meeting. We met with a client this morning, and then we had a little time to talk. And you were telling me of your journey beginning on Wall Street in the market, day trading over the counter, and immediately I'm picturing the movie Trading Places where all the tickets are <laughs> up in the air. Talk about that. What was that like working on Wall Street? Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a great learning experience for me. I got the opportunity to work with some brilliant, brilliant minds um, in the late 80s. I'm dating myself now. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> um, brilliant minds. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, that really created a, a base for me. I learned uh, um, patience, persistence, you know, avoiding hype and trying to uh, minimize risk, which I guess is where 
you know, insurance comes in. Um, so, uh, you know, it was a great starting point for me. And um, it was it was crazy, I, I will say. And, you know, everything has changed a lot over the years. Um, but for me, I prefer to, you know, day to day sit with my clients and help them and teach them um, financial literacy. I love it. I'm so glad you said financial literacy. And you think of yourself more as a teacher, more so than a salesperson. Yes, absolutely. Um, for me, it's never been about selling. Um, I like to educate my clients because if they understand, it's just so much easier to put the plan together. Absolutely. And there's so many things that people don't understand about the need for having a financial plan. There's so many things that we don't understand. So I want to ask you a little bit about going to some common misunderstandings that people have. But before I do, I want to ask you about the designation. You mentioned that you're a CFP, Certified Financial Planner. Mm -hmm. What does that mean and why is it important that when people look to work with someone to get their finances in order, whether that's their insurances, their retirement, why is it important that, well, what is a Certified Financial Planner and why is it important that people work with a Certified Financial right. Planner? So it's a designation that did not come easy. Uh, very, <laughs> a very difficult course. And um, besides it having a 50% pass rate, um, you know, having the designation and being, you know, under the um, Certified Financial Planning Board of Standards, you're held to a higher uh, mark in that, um, you know, we always do what's the best in the best interest of the customer. Not saying that, you know, I, you know, you would in any way, but um, you know, there are certain rules and regulations that you need to follow. And it's kind of, uh, you know, to be a, a member in good standing of the CFP board is, is a big deal. And, um, you know, it, especially nowadays with the, all the new rulings that are coming out and, and being a fiduciary, um, you know, it's very important to have those letters behind you because it shows that, um, you know, you're committed to doing the right thing and, and keeping up your education. And that's the big piece because not only getting it the first time with that 50% uh, pass ratio, things are changing constantly right. in the financial world. Right. Yeah, a lot going on in, in banking, finance, you know, the whole world so <laughs> globally. It's, so for everyone so. out there that, that's making and considering some difficult financial decisions, certainly you have access to all the information in the world at your fingertips, but you don't want to be alone. Right. Uh, Oh, you mean with, with the, the clients? Yes, no, right. or just like working on your own and come up with your own ideas and your own financial plans. You want to work with a financial Oh, plan. sure, sure. Um, you know, especially, look, everything is becoming more complicated. So, um, you know, people, you know, what happens, what I've seen over the years is, you know, with the volatility in the market, you know, if, for instance, during COVID, you know, the market w came down, I, you know, no one sells, you, you know, you have to be there to kind of, you know, tell them to sit tight. This is something that's just happening now. And you have to look at the big picture, you know, the long picture, the long road. And so, um, you know, uh, when I said earlier on, you know, avoiding, you know, trying not to listen to the hype and everything that's going on out there. You know, if you have patience and discipline and, and you invested for the right reason in good companies, you know, and you have a plan in place, then, um, you know, you go the distance and you stick with the plan. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, Suzanne, let's talk about our working relationship. Everyone knows that I am an exclusive Allstate agent and you're my financial specialist. We partner together as an exclusive Allstate agent. 
I sell the products and services that Allstate allows me to sell under the uh, Allstate umbrella. And as a financial specialist, how would you describe a, what a financial specialist does to a layperson that doesn't know our business? Right. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, I offer, you know, a more rounded um, portfolio of what um, your customers have. So they come and they have, you know, PNC, so auto and homeowners. Um, and, uh, you know, what I can offer for them is helping them with, if you're looking at the, along the lines of protection, uh, you know, life insurance is very important. Um, we were talking about financial literacy. I mean, I usually ask people three questions. Do you own a home? Do you own a car? And do you have a family? And then I say, well, you know, what's most important to you? Wow. And they say, I, you know, of course, it's my family, yes. right? And then my next question is, okay, well, how much would you pay to protect your family? Yes. You're paying to protect your home. You have homeowner's insurance. You're paying to, you know, protect your car. But what's the most valuable of the three, yes. right? So do you mean that you're not paying anything to protect your family? That's a little, you know, makes people think. Like, wow, you know, that's kind of powerful. Um, so, you know, protection, that's what you're in the business to do, Absolutely. right? That's what I'm in the business to do, protection, um, which is part of, you know, the plan that I put together. There is a way to protect your family, your assets, um, you know, and, and, and it's by minimizing risk. Yes, that, that's, that's well said. And I love the three questions. I never heard you ask that before. And when you talk about the... The family protection, we're going to like uncover a lot of myths about life insurance behind this red door today. Some people think that having a burial policy is the beginning and end of life insurance. If I have enough to put myself away, that's all that I need. How do you respond when people tell you that? Well, you know, normally if someone tells me that, it leads me to believe that I need to question a little bit more about their family situation. Um, sometimes they'll say, well, I have no family, I have no this, I have no that. Um, but sometimes, you know, they don't really understand what life insurance is. You know, they hear about a burial policy or a final expense policy, and, you know, that's what they were told. You know, I remember even my parents, my father was like, what do you need permanent insurance for? In my day, we bought term insurance. There's no need for permanent. And so um, I think it's just a misunderstanding. People don't understand. They they hear what people tell them. So it's my job to uh, educate. I love it. All right. So let's go down, let's stay down the path of education. Um, my podcast has a young audience of people that are hungry to learn things. How affordable is it for a young person, let's say between 25 and 35 years old, that wants to get some basic term life insurance just to protect themselves? How affordable, let's just give one number, like a 30-year-old to get like $500,000 of life insurance. It could be $25, $30 a month. So let's say that again for the people in the back. A 30-year-old can get $500,000 of life insurance for $25 to $30 a month to protect their family. Yes. And that, that's an amazing number that's really reasonable. It's less than car insurance. It's significantly <laughs> less than, than home insurance. Um, why would a 30-year-old need that much life insurance? Well, 30-year-olds do have families. When you have young children, 
the best way to protect your family is with life insurance. You know, God forbid. Uh, another question I ask is, you know, who would suffer financially? God forbid your paycheck wasn't there, right? And so, um, it, you know, it's for income replacement. Um, you know, God forbid, he, you know, something happens. Who is going to pay for the mortgage or for the kids to go to school? And so that you can stay in the, in the home and pay the mortgage. So young families definitely need insurance. Um, and the time to get it is when you're young and healthy. Um, that's what prices are based upon, right? So, you know, if you are healthy and young, you get a good price. If you wait till you're older or wait till you get, say, diabetes or some heart disease, you may not even be able to get it, much less afford it. Absolutely. Um, this conversation is taking me on my own personal life insurance journey. Before I sat in this seat selling life insurance, the first time that I bought my own policy, I was in my young 30s, right around 30. I was living in Chicago and I was still playing pickup basketball a lot with people that I didn't know very well. And I was always concerned that if something went wrong, I'm not going to come home tonight. And so <laughs> the first policy that I bought for myself was about a $500,000 term life insurance policy, one, I could afford it, and right. I understood that my family needed. Some people base term life insurance on like multiples of income. What do you think of that philosophy and approach towards buying term life insurance? Yeah, that's certainly one way to do it. Uh, you know, there's a rule of, you know, five to 10 times income. Uh, sometimes when I, you know, sitting with a young family and we're trying to figure out how much coverage, you know, we'll either do uh, five to 10 times income, or we can take a look at, you know, how large their mortgage is, um, you know, how many children they have. And then we come up with a, you know, a number, you know, minimum or, you know, what I think they should get or what's the absolute minimum. That's yeah. a beautiful thing. And the beauty is it's all customized. You don't have one cookie cutter approach. No. So, so we talked about, again, with Allstate, I'm Allstate, Allstate car insurance, Allstate home insurance, a little bit more property. But with life insurance, are you limited to just selling Allstate, or do you have other no, no, options? No, no, yeah, we 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 use a what's called a general agent, and we have access to every carrier. So what I usually do is, depending on the uh, the customer, uh, find out a little bit about uh, their health, their age, their lifestyle, and um, then I could recommend a carrier. Or what I will do is I'll shop around the different carriers to find the best policy that, you know, suits them. So that's the beautiful thing. So all of my clients and prospects out there listening, when it comes to the life insurance world, Suzanne gets the privilege of working as a broker. You don't have to shop around yourself to look at, you know, for the best rate, the okay. best company, the best coverage. She does that for you, and she'll definitely come back to you with yes. the best thing. So we talked a little bit about term insurance. Yes. And a lot of people have heavy debates about term insurance or permanent insurance. Just simple terms. How would you explain to someone what permanent insurance or universal whole life, what that insurance is? Yeah, I must say this line probably once a day. Um, term insurance is like renting a home. Permanent insurance is like buying a home. Yes. So, you know, with, with uh, if you're renting a policy, a term policy, the most popular one is a 20-year term. Um, you can get 10 to 30 years. They use that to line it up with their mortgage, and they see it as mortgage protection. Uh, so 
Um, you know, term insurance is for a specific need, mm -hmm. right? You want maybe mortgage insurance or you want it during your working years um, or, you know, you want it for coverage until the kids go to school. So um, that, that's term. It's for a certain term period. Permanent insurance is permanent. It's like owning the policy. It's yours forever. It builds up equity, almost like a home, mm -hmm. right? And it builds up cash value. So you can have that policy forever and you know it will pay out because everyone dies at some point. Some point. So term insurance is for a certain time period. It's less expensive. You get your bang for your buck, but it doesn't last forever. Permanent insurance can go your entire life and it's more expensive. Do you have a preference one or the other or do you always sell them what's the best interest of the customer? You know what, it depends what the customer needs and what their budget is. Um, you know, younger, Younger families tend to go more for term insurance. Um, you know, if, it, if they can afford it, I think permanent insurance is great. There's nothing like getting a, uh, you know, permanent plan at a young, healthy rate, right? And you have it, it's an asset that builds up equity and you have it forever. So I love permanent insurance. Um, but for me, um, you know, when I'm recommending it, I would, I would rather someone have something than nothing at all. Yes. So, you know, if they cannot afford permanent, Term is definitely the way to go. Um, and now, you know, most of our term policies are convertible to permanent. So the good news with that is you can get a term plan, pay the low prices while you need the coverage in the short run. Maybe in 20 or 30 years, the, um, you know, the mortgage is paid off, the kids are, are done with school. You can convert that to a permanent plan without a medical. Mm -hmm. And then you have more, then you have a policy that's more for estate planning or, you know, for, um, uh, you know, liquidity of your, you know, your estate. I love this. I love this conversation because, again, it takes me into my journey. I started with my first policy because I could afford it. I needed it. And as bills went down and finances opened up, you always have the ability to convert it to a more right. permanent plan, a more permanent solution. You and I shared a experience maybe a month ago now where we delivered a claim check to for a couple hundred thousand dollars to a widow who recently lost her husband. The one thing that I like to share with people, I know that I've delivered an unbelievable amount of claim checks in my life, I'm sure you have as yes. well, that um, when you're delivering that check to the widow or the widower or the children, no one asks what kind of policy it was. No, right. No, their, their only concern is they know that someone loved them enough to set aside right money so they can have something to give them peace of mind during this journey. Have you had the same experience? Yeah, it, it's a beautiful thing when you can give a check and really, um, you know, help the family, um, you know, pay off the mortgage or just help them, you know, stay, stay in the home or any expenses. And, uh, you know, you, you know, you could feel their heartbreak. And it's just such a wonderful, wonderful feeling to, to give out, a, you know, a death claim check. I see. And you're... Your job doesn't stop there because once that person receives it, they definitely are in need of a plan right. of what do I do next? So when we had that experience, we also had an opportunity for you to have an additional meeting with the person to help them make some other decisions more on the financial planning side than the life insurance side. So without going to specifics, how do those conversations go when you open it up with someone new that maybe just... Uh, received, inherited a lump sum of money from a life insurance policy. How do you help them navigate all the decisions that they're faced with? Right. 
So, you know, it's, it's important to, again, you know, I try and educate them as to now you have this big check, right? Um, you know, if you put it in the bank, um, you're not really going to earn much. You don't want to take it and, you know, go to Atlantic City. Um, so, you know, we can help to plan for your future, you know, and then I find out what they have, you know, did they inherit a retirement plan? Um, you know, are they working? You know, what are, you know, are the kids, how old are the kids? So, um, you know, I try and find out, you know, what their needs are and, and how I can help them because, you know, most cases, you know, they've never seen a, a large, I don't think any of us have seen a lump sum check come in and I've given out some large ones. And you can make a difference in planning for their future and setting up a retirement plan and getting them, you know, income, an income-like pension for life. So, you know, there are so many variables. And here, you know, again, you know, I just want to educate them. And, um, and so that, you know, together we can make the best decision, you know, for them. I think the beauty of your approach from an education standpoint is that you're giving them peace of mind. Because it's overwhelming. Losing a loved one takes you to a place. There's the emotional component, and then there's the financial component. Because the next month, after all the services are done, whatever the nature of the services are, the next month, all the bills continue to come. Right. And you still have to do the next thing. Um, one thing that I've uh, said to people, and you could uh, tell me what you think about that, is that sometimes people think they have to take the check, which is payable to them, to pay everything off all at once. I always say, just pay this month's bills first. Uh -huh. Let's relax and see what the big picture is and, and then do the next thing. What are your thoughts on that when people feel like overwhelmed, like they got to just write it all out? Uh -huh. I think it's important for me to sit with them and, and find out exactly what's going on. Because, you know, I met with someone the other day who got their mortgage, took their mortgage out. They bought a home right before, like during COVID, when rates were very low before they started to go up. 2% mortgage. So, you know, that is a great rate. So why would you want to pay that off? Um, and, and again, you know, it, it also comes down to how comfortable they feel, right? So, you know, not to jump into anything and to research what we have out there and also um, speak to your account, right? Yes. You know, I, I don't know what, uh, you know, without finding out information, I don't know what financial situation or what tax situation they're in. So it's important for me to, to get as much information as I can and to help them. And, and, and they feel comfortable with that. You know, they call me every now and then and ask me questions. And I love that. It's, it's a beautiful that. thing. You have been uh, extremely helpful to me. You give me great peace of mind. Uh, when I first bought my agency, my background prior to directly selling my first 10 years on the life insurance side. And when I bought the agency, I thought that I'd have a team that did the PNC and I do the life insurance and I'd help people with other things. But it's moving so fast that I have to have someone like you that's just a dedicated expert, just helping people not only with the life insurance, but the other side of the conversation that we get right. into, which is the financial planning for retirement and things of that nature. Oh. So generally speaking, can you talk about some of the ways that we help people that are facing retirement decisions? Sure. Uh, you know, it's important with, you know, the way that, you know, the whole world is going and everything, you know, there's news every day and, and volatility in the market that, um, you know, we have something for everyone. You know, it depends on your risk tolerance. Some people are very conservative by nature 
and we have products that can help them. Uh, some, you know, are willing to take on more risk or they have a longer term time horizon. So, um, you know, it's important for me to profile who I'm sitting with. Um, and, you know, I guess also their time, you know, the time horizon for needing the money. Um, and so, um, or what um, expenses may come along the way. So, you know, all of these things come out and, um, you know, just having the conversations, just having all the different conversations, you know, enables me to learn so much about someone so that, you know, I don't even, ha even if I ask the question, you know, I know what they're going to answer me, but I ask it anyway. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. So let's get behind the red door, which is where people get stuck at and some of their process. We talked about this this morning. We're all taught to go to school, work hard, get the best job we can and earn as much money as we can during our earning years. And we work hard from age whatever until 50, 60, maybe 40s if you're a uh, city or state worker and you get out a little bit earlier. But very few of us have financial literacy conversation about how do we go from whatever we've accumulated, whether you have a 401k, 457, 403b, uh, deferred comp, how do we, if we're disciplined enough and have access, if we're a city or state worker, if we're fortunate enough to work for a private company that offers those things, very few people know what to do when they get to that retirement standpoint of, okay, I have this lump sum of money I've accumulated, now what? Right. Now, and you know what, that's a very important point because it's so true. You know, we see people all the time that are at that point and they have no idea what to do, you know? And, you know, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, they may not know who to turn to and you don't want them to turn to the wrong person, right? So, you know, there is such a big need for someone to help them um, anyway along the way. I mean, it's just, it surprises me that, you know, again, that, you know, I meet with so many people that, you know, for me, I, you know, I love this stuff and yes. so do you. So yes. we understand it. Yes. But there are so many people out there that really have no idea what to do when it comes to retirement. And, you know, and that's the beauty of what we do. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So for everybody that follows me and uh, on social media, current clients, future clients, whatever it is, this is my favorite subject in the whole okay. insurance business. I've never talked about it in depth on camera before at all. And if you have questions about it, I'd love to talk to you. But at the end, I'm definitely going to refer you to <laughs> Suzanne so she can actually spend the time to help you. And I think by the first part of this interview, you will see why. Okay. So we talked about that inertia that people feel with all those retirement plans, all the numbers that I named. The same thing happens with pension plans. Work hard in a company, you accumulate it. What's a mistake that you think people have made about their pension? You know, because they've worked for company A that they loved and they paid them all, all the time. Some people think out of loyalty that they should just leave their money there and take whatever pension options are offered. Right, right. Um, and this is really very, very important. Um, very often, if you have a pension at work and you, and you take their options, which could be um, you know, a monthly check for your life or uh, a, a joint check with your spouse. Um, when you pass away and or your spouse, the money is gone. It does not go to beneficiaries. And that is, is, is so important because I don't know if everyone understands that um, 
if you create your own pension with that and often roll it over, you can get a bigger check that continues for life. And then when you pass away or your spouse, the money doesn't go away, it passes to, you, to your heir. And that is so, so important. We, we were dis we've discussed that a few times and it's almost shocking to people when I tell them this, that it wasn't, they weren't informed by their company or by HR that, you know, in one instance, you know, the money disappears and goes back to the company or they can take control of it on their own and then they have money to pass to their heirs. So that's really, really important. It's critically important. And if you're watching this or listening to it, hit the rewind button and listen to that again. That is the essence of uh, everything that I want people to pick up from this podcast is that you have more options than you think. And the easy option is not the best option. The easy thing to do when we're faced with difficult decisions in life is inertia. Choose to do nothing. But if you've ever heard of a company called Enron, I think you can see the error in that ways. The other thing I'll say is I think um, people I know in common, and you know people that have shared this, people that have accepted that option from the company, they retire today and next month they're gone and their family and loved ones have nothing. I shared with you this right. the story today of a, a friend of mine known for many, many years, single, no children. And then when I explained to how it would work, she's like, what do you mean if something happens to me, all the money I've accumulated goes away? I'm like, yeah, that's what happens if you do nothing. Right, right. So, you know, it just comes down to, uh, um, you know, education. And, you know, no one ever explained it to them. And so, you know, how would they know, right? You wouldn't know. It's not your fault, but you need to know. Right. You mentioned the company and the HR department. They may be excellent in the company benefits and how you pick right. up your health insurance and your dental but this requires licensing and a certain right. amount of expertise. And Suzanne holds many licenses. Uh, again, something I don't podcast to talk about. I am securities licensed. I don't sell the products directly. Mm -hmm. I refer it all to Suzanne. And you have to have a license to even have these conversations to help someone with it. Would you say doing that is the key for people uh, creating generational wealth for their family to make sure they make the right decision so it can pass on to the next generation, hopefully the next with proper yes, planning? Yes, absolutely. You have to take control of your own financial future um, and not personally by yourself. You know, you have someone that you trust help you with it. Um, but, you know, creating creating a uh, an income stream. You know, you have uh, Social Security. You know, maybe you have a, a pension or an IRA um, or, you know, you have a, a you know, you, you inherited money. The key is to create an income stream and then, you know, and then be able to pass it on in a tax efficiently way, a tax efficient way to your beneficiaries and your heirs. I love it. Suzanne, this is Women's History Month. Uh, happy that you're here in Women's History Month to talk about this. We talked earlier when you talked about your journey on Wall Street, I said there probably weren't a lot of women there. Am I correct in that? You're 100% correct. How did you navigate that? You know what? I always felt that, you know, if I was knowledgeable, uh, to me, knowledge is key. So, you know, if I understood everything and had the knowledge, then that would speak for itself. And, you know, like we said at the beginning, I'm not a big salesperson. No. But, you know, I feel that my knowledge, you know, that I could 
pass on to anyone that I'm with, you know, just speaks for itself. And so back then, you know, I was always the one that had the ideas. You know, I wasn't the salesy person, but I had the good ideas and I had the right answers. So, um, but you know, it was, it's always been a, a male dominated business. Yes. And you know what? And it still is. Two, two questions in response to that. Absolutely a thousand percent right. What would you say to the woman that's listening to this, that's head of household um, and is making some of these difficult decisions? They are faced with this. Maybe they were downsized or changed jobs due to COVID or maybe not wanting to go back into the workplace. What would you say to them to encourage them to have a conversation with you to, to talk about what some of their options are? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's just so important. You know, I've seen, uh, because I do have a, a large percentage of, of women as, as customers, um, you know, it, it, I think, you know, they're just, for some reason, women are, and I've seen men like this too, they're just afraid of, of numbers and math and, you know, and, and so often I'll sit with, in fact, my own daughter. Yes. I thought she would be coming into my business, <laughs> wanted nothing to do with it. Yes. She wanted to be in the medical field. But there are so many people like that are just, you know, they're afraid of math and numbers and anything like that scares them. Mm -hmm. And I have these conversations daily with people, you know, and I, and I, you know, and I get it. So, you know, I, it's just, it's, I, I really wish that they, and, and they actually do now, they do more than when my, I remember my daughter was in school, but you know, they, they should, uh, you know, women should be encouraged to get into this field. Um, I think we do a great job. Um, and, and I, you know, I wish more women, you know, would be, it's, uh, I don't know. What would you say to a woman that's listening in this, that, that wants to get in the field? How would you say they get started? I have, um, yeah, what would you say to them? Well, you know, they could get started by, uh, you know, just working as, as uh, you know, shadowing, just like in any field yes. now, that's what the kids seem to do, um, you know, shadowing. In fact, you know, I've, I've had, you know, several uh, young kids shadow me over the years and have gone into the business. Um, but, you know, that's a great way, you know, what they call it internships or shadowing. It's a good way to, to get your foot into the door and, and see if it's something that you like. You use the word shadowing and internship. Um, I like the word mentorship. mentorship along, your, right. along your way, both on Wall Street or in your journey to becoming the very successful CFP that you are right now, did you have any good mentors that guided you along oh, the I way? I had fabulous mentors. And, um, and in fact, I told you about the, the first mentor I had was uh, my boss on Wall Street. And, uh, you know, I learned a great deal from him. And, uh, um, but yeah, you know what, it, it does, you know, mentors have helped tremendously. In fact, uh, you know, everyone needs a mentor. And, and uh, you know, in fact, I, I would love to, you know, I mentor people every day, right? A yes. few people you're in your my, office. You're mentoring people on my right. team. Right, I love to. Right yeah, look, you know, there's just so much I can keep in this brain, right? So, <laughs> you know, I want to like get rid of it. And, uh, you know, I love to uh, help people in, in this, you know, and learn the business. Oh, absolutely. So and you have shared a lot with us today. Simple terms, you and I use the word rollover every day. How would you explain rollover to someone that doesn't know what it is? Right, okay, now that's a good question. Um, so, uh, you know, when you have retirement savings plan, a 401k at a company, or, 
now that my daughter said to me, I don't have a 401k, I have a 403b. I said, well, that's what you get at a nonprofit company. It's the same, it's a retirement plan. So what happens is you put money away every week, um, you know, and it grows and before you know it, you're ready to retire and you have a chunk of money. And so what happens is you now you need to think about how you're going to live in your retirement years. So that's called a rollover. You want to roll it over into a vehicle where you can still grow the money, but start taking an income check, depending on your lifestyle and how much you know cash flow you need. So what happens is you work your entire life at whatever company you're working at, public or private. You need to roll it over into a plan so that you could spend it in the second half of your life, which is you know the retirement years. That is a great, simple <laughs> explanation, very easy to follow. It allows you to have a check coming in. So if right. anyone has any questions about rollover, you've heard the word thrown around. I think that's a great, very straightforward way to understand it. Also, by doing a rollover, you avoid some of the tax consequences yes, of uh, right. constructively receiving the money. Exactly. That's important, too. I'm glad you reminded me. <laughs> no, no problem, because <laughs> people think that if they roll it over from their company, their nonprofit into something that they're right. going to suffer tax consequences. Right. So can you just mention yes. a little bit about? So when it's in the company plan, uh, 401k, 403b, 457, deferred comp, different names for the same account at different types of uh, companies. When you roll it over, it goes into a, an IRA, an individual retirement account, no taxes. The tax deferral continues but you're putting into a vehicle where now you have more control of it for your future. But there are no taxes whatsoever because it's not payable to you, it's payable to the plan. So yeah, very important, it's not taxable. Beautiful. Suzanne, anything that you wanna share with people that I didn't ask you about? General service, financial service, anything else at all that you wanted to share? You're very good, Kevin. <laughs> so you guys won't know it. Suzanne said she was concerned about being in front of the camera. I think she did great. When you watch this, wherever you hear the podcast at, see it on YouTube, please encourage YouTube. her, congratulate her everywhere by putting some clap hands emojis. Ladies and gentlemen, my financial specialist, Suzanne Nitzberg. Thank you very much. Thank you. That flow is so easy. Oh my God. <laughs> my mouth is so dry. Can you tell? I could I have no saliva. <laughs>